Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show, your source for the latest news and trends in the e-commerce industry. Featuring host Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, Chief Commerce Strategy Officer and Publicist, and Scott Wingo, CEO of Get Spiffy and co-founder of Channel Advisor. Here are Jason and Scott. Welcome to the Jason and Scott Show. This is episode 316, being recorded on Thursday, January 11th. I'm your host, Jason Retail Geek Goldberg, and as usual, I'm here with your co-host, Scott Wingo. Hey, Jason, and welcome back, Jason and Scott Show listeners. Well, folks, this is one of our most popular shows of the year. This is our Jason and Scott annual prediction show. This is where being an audio podcast really works against us. You can't see us, but... Jason and I normally wear leisure wear when we record the podcast, but tonight we're wearing tuxedos. Jason, I really like that cummerbund. It looks really good on you. Thanks. I feel like you've really elevated your game this year. The The suede tuxedo really suits you. Thanks. Thanks. And the, the extra glitter on the bow tie was my daughter's influence. Smart. The, the, the 17-year-old touch. As you they can say. never have enough glitter. That is literally what she says half the time. So yeah, this is the show where we make, we kind of self-score last year's predictions, which would have been the predictions we made this time last year, early January for 2023. And then we make new ones for this year, the 2024 predictions. But before we jump into that, Jason, we're recording this on the eve of NRF, big show. And I know that's a huge show for you. It's now, I think it's expanded. It's always a fun weekend show, which I've always appreciated. That that was sarcasm. And then I think they've extended it, you know, I think it was like, what was it? Saturday, Sunday, Monday. And now there's like a Tuesday and then there's pre-days and post-days. So it's like a whole, it's like a whole month of NRF big show. Are you, are you teed up and energized and ready to go? Yeah. And I feel like if all of those things weren't exciting enough, it, you know, it's like 113 years old and it's always over a holiday, Martin Luther King Day. And it always draws a blizzard, like either on the first day or the last day. And so this year, maybe we'll get both. Yeah. Yeah. And it's always fun. And it used to be there was nothing down in that part of New York. And now at least they have what's that thing called Hudson Yard or whatever. Yeah. Yard yeah. Yeah. I feel like uh, Manhattan has grown up around Javits a little bit. So you are, you are definitely right. I, I have clients and partners with offices that are now walking distance from the show and and Hudson Yard is pretty cool. Yeah, very cool. Now, are you speaking and also on behalf of the listeners, what are you going there to learn more about? Yeah, so in the highly unlikely event there's anyone that listens to this show that doesn't already know what NRF Big Show is, National Retail Federation's big trade organization represents retail in the United States. It's their big event. 30,000-ish people come to New York City, tons of uh, exhibitors in in a wide variety of fields. A area that's always fun for me is one area of the show is dedicated to innovation. So they give like inexpensive booths to small companies that, you know, aren't ready to invest in a, a big booth. And many of these are startups or startups from other countries. And, you know, so it's always there's always a lot of wacky, dubious stuff there, but in between that, there's usually some, you know, kind of cool ideas. And it's often the first place you'll see something that a few years down the road becomes, you know, one of the innovative new parts of retail. So I love uh, walking the innovation center. You know, last year, retail media networks were the big thing at this show. And I'm sure they're going to be a big thing again this year. You know, people are starting to talk about AI last year, but this year I think it's just going to be off the hook. I, I think every 
I think in order to get a booth, you had to say you were an AI company. I'm pretty sure the trash is getting emptied by AI sanitation engineers. <laughs> I, you know, it's, I, I feel like it's simultaneously going to be wildly overhyped and super important and transformative to the industry. So that's pretty, that'll be interesting to see how that all plays out. The, you know, I like to talk about food and grocery a lot and, and NRF has done a lot to sort of expand their coverage of the food industry. So there's a whole separate portion of the, the trade show dedicated to f- grocery retail vendors and a whole content track. So, so that stuff is all interesting. John Ferner, the president of Walmart will have a keynote. A bunch of other retailers will have keynotes. Magic Johnson is kind of the, the outside speaker that they're, they're hyping this year, which is, I mean, fine, but I don't go for those, those paid, paid not retail speakers that much. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I am speaking. I am doing a, a session on one of the featured stages that is entitled Coming to America, which is all about what Western brands can and should be learning from the the Chinese brands that are now successfully doing business in the U.S. And so most notably, Timu, Xi'an, and probably a little bit of TikTok. Yeah, very cool. I also saw on LinkedIn that you had what I would call a close encounter with a drone experience. What Tell us more about that. I did. So, I mean, Scott, I'm sure you remember this, but it was like, I looked it up. It was like 2013 that Jeff Bezos was on 60 Minutes and was like, oh, and we're going to deliver all the packages via drone. Wasn't it the eve before Cyber Monday? It was like that Sunday night before yeah. Cyber Monday. Yeah. yeah. And so he made that announcement and, you know, that sounded incredibly far-fetched. And I don't know if you remember, but the, I had a session that I was doing at Internet Big Show that year. And I dressed up a drone with the Amazon Air logo and landed it on stage at the Javits Center. Or I had someone that was better than me landed on stage at the Javits Center in the middle of my presentation as a joke. And I got in huge trouble for that. That's wildly illegal. <laughs> That's but, why uh, they talk, call you retail geek. Yeah. Sometimes it's better to ask forgiveness than permission is my my philosophy on that one. But, you know, back then it was like this, this, you know, kind of silly science fiction. And, you know, since then we've, we've on this show and, you know, in the press and media talked about various, you know, kind of edge use cases where drone delivery might, might actually make sense or be economical. And we've talked a lot about some of these pilots that both Amazon and Walmart are running. And so I know it's a real thing and you can, you can really do it. And maybe in some use cases, it's even practical at this point. But this December, last December, so last month, I did my last trip of the year to Walmart, which is in Bentonville, Arkansas, which side note, downtown Bentonville is beautiful for Christmas. They have a super cool light show. So if you've, if you've never visited Walmart, that's the time to do it. But there, there is a small Walmart neighborhood market, which is their grocery store concept, which is in a small community of 5,000 people about 30 miles away from Bentonville called Pea Ridge. And so I, I drove out to Pea Ridge to visit the Walmart neighborhood market. And behind the neighborhood market is a drone center. And they are actually delivering packages via drone on an ongoing basis for all the residents of this 5,000 person community. And so standing in a parking lot and having a bunch of these planes and the the Walmart ones are fixed wing aircraft 
launch and like zoom over your head and all the, the signs in the parking lot, you know, say low flying aircraft beware. <laughs> and uh, like seeing that all these planes like launch, it, 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 it was more fun and cool than I expected it to be. And what's particularly cool is this particular model, the way they recover the planes is the planes all have a hook on the tail and they literally have a retractable zip line that like two robot arms raise up and it puts the zip line across the, the drone center, which is elevated. And the, the plane flies into the zip line and gets hung up and it just swings like a swing until it loses momentum. And so, you know, I just sat there for like probably 45 minutes and watched like 10 planes launch and get caught by the, the zip lines. And I made a video and put it on LinkedIn. So if, uh, it's, I, I edited down to like a minute, but I know this is not new news to most people on this show that there's drone deliveries, but I'm telling you, like when you actually see one in person, it's still kind of cool. Neat. Are they, obviously they're not going to carry like a gallon of milk or something super heavy like that. What's the, what's their payload max on those? Yeah. So I am not super well versed on exactly what, like the one part of the experience I couldn't see, unfortunately is, you know, you'd, you'd have to be pretty lucky to like be at a residence when a delivery was happening. I, I think it's like a four pound payload and it's dropped via parachute. And I know the way it works is you register in advance to be a drone delivery site. And then you're given a little like, uh, f- you know, foldable circle target that you put in your backyard and the drone drops the, the packages right on this target. And so, and you know, Walmart neighborhood market is, it's a grocery store with like, you know, dry goods and pharmacy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So I, I think it's a lot of like bottles of Advil and things like that that are likely getting delivered there. Very cool. So head over to LinkedIn and look up Jason. And it's it's the post that starts, you know, X years ago on 60 Minutes and it's in there. Yeah, I'll put a link in the show notes if you if you want to find it quick. Cool. Well, one last topic we wanted to cover before we get into the meat of the prediction show. Jason and I have been getting a lot of questions from listeners, and it concerns a slowdown in our frequency. Well, no one can pull the wool over our listeners' eyes. You guys caught us. We have slowed down our frequency. And that's because uh, starting with the next episode, 317, we're going to rebrand. And it's going to be the Jason Bot and Scott Bot Show. And, you know, nothing's going to really change. We are we are going to increase the frequency. It's going to be daily. You guys wanted more shows. So next year, we'll, there'll be probably, we're not going to do 365. That would be too much. But, you know, like 355, something like that. And you probably guessed by the rebranding that it's going to be Jason and I writing the outline of the show. But Jason, you know, being the geek he is, has created a Gen AI version of himself that's been trained on 800 hours of Jason content. And he produces a lot more content than I do, so about 300 hours a month. So congrats, Jason, on this technological breakthrough. Yeah, uh, I'm super excited about that. You, you've you disclosed one of the, the the secrets to our success is that every episode is about a three-to-one ratio of Jason and Scott. <laughs> since you do the audio editing, I try to go easy on you, and you're, yeah. you're self-inflicting your own pain. Yeah, the truth, and that may be the norm, but the truth is... We have two kinds of shows, like, and there, there are shows where you are much more dominant than I am. And then there's, there's shows where I contribute more than you. It's kind of funny to see the, the flip flop. If you get an interesting entrepreneur or you get a deep dive in a really arcane uh, portion of Amazon's business, you get a lot of Scott. Yeah. Yeah. That's, uh, 
That's where I thrive in the darkest corners of the, the interwebs. Yeah. And um, one, seriously, though. Oh, oh, I was just going to say one side <laughs> note on that, that, that LLM we trained, you can now buy on the OpenAI GPT store that went live tonight. So yeah, and you yeah. can have your own personalized, you know, we get a lot of requests for personalized shows. So you can just write your own and there you uh, go. Yeah. We'll, uh, we'll, we'll talk to you in a three to one ratio of Jason to Scott. But seriously, though, uh, we do not have an LLM. We wouldn't do that to you. But our frequency has decreased. We looked this up, and our first show was on November 14, 2015, if you believe it or not. So that's eight over eight years ago we started. This will be our ninth year. And, yeah, so the that's a lot of content. And when we started, I had just – I was one year into my current company, Spiffy, and now we'll be celebrating our 10 years this year at Spiffy. And we had five employees, and now we have about 500. Jason worked for Razorfish, and he only had two words in his title. And now he for, works for the the biggest or one of the biggest ad agencies with a fancy French name called Publicis. We- and – and he has 16 words in his title. So there in, in his world, you measure your success by the size of your title and, and he has done awesome. So both of those endeavors have kept us a little bit busier than we were nine to 10 years ago. So that is the root cause of our slowdown. We did the math and we actually did 15 shows last year. So it was like, you know, monthly plus a couple extras plus three, if you will. We used to do around 50 a year. So you're all right. We have reduced the frequency. Yeah, apologies for that. This is a passion project for us. So our revenue, good news, our revenue has not gone down, which is which is good because we don't make any revenue. We just love talking about this stuff and hanging out together. And that was the whole genesis of this show and still is true, uh, even though we have less time to do it. Anything you want to add there, Jason? Yeah, no, I, I think, that, I mean, obviously, I feel like we've both gone a tremendous amount out of the show and we, we love it and want to want to keep it going. We want to make sure when we do shows that that they're interesting and valuable for folks. And so one of the things that I've gotten a lot of feedback on is we, you know, every year we've always done a handful of these deep dives on on particular particular topics. And I, I feel like the the shows we get the most compliments on are when we do these these deep dives or when we do really detailed breakdowns on the Amazon earnings shows. And so, you know, certainly we'll still keep the Amazon earnings shows on the schedule. But like, I'd like to lean into if, you know, if we are going to, you know, do sort of one to two shows a month, uh, lean into some of those like more prep, higher production deep dives as well. So that is one of my New Year's resolutions is to drink a lot more iced coffee. And the other one is going to be to make sure we get get some relevant deep dives into the show schedule every year. Yeah, there's got to be. On the topic of iced coffee, there has to be some limit to what the human body can endure there. So it's going to be interesting to you're, – you're kind of in Tim Ferriss body experiment mode with the level of coffee you're, you're reaching. So I look forward to seeing how this goes. Hack thyself. <laughs> <laughs> okay. With that housekeeping out of the way, let's jump into the, the meat and potatoes of the show. As mentioned, this is our annual prediction show way back in episode 301 recorded on January 20th, 2023. We made five predictions each about what would happen in the upcoming year, which was 2023. Let's go through and review our performance because Jason is first in our title. He always gets to go first. Decision I greatly regret from eight years ago. Just kidding. My Um, memory from eight years ago is you did name the show. Yeah. Scott and Jason just doesn't, it doesn't sound right, obviously. So here we are. So Jason, go ahead. I'll read your prediction and then you self-score. All right, Jason prediction number one, 
insert drum roll uh, sound clip. And you predicted, prediction number one, at least two retail bankruptcies besides Party City would occur. How'd you do on that one, Jason? Yeah, well, Mr. Debbie Downer was right. Hey, the Party City reference was because Party City had already declared bankruptcy by mid-January of that year. But unfortunately, there were there were a number of other bankruptcies last year. So I, the marquee one was probably Bed Bath & Beyond, although they have a, a new life as the brand for Overstock. David's Bridal, Rite Aid. But the one that I'm personally maybe the most sad about, and I know you were a customer, if not a fan, was Boxy. Yeah, yeah. Very sad. Yeah. So I'm giving myself credit for that that first one, although I feel like a bad person for making negative predictions. It's kind of part of your personality. I used to be the Mulligan guy, and now you flipped to the bankruptcy guy. So I, I appreciate you carrying the banner on that one. I'm here for you, man. Um, okay. So that's uh, so far one out of five is what we're scoring you. So one right, uh, zero wrong. And number two, buy now, pay later, consolidation. Klarna affirm after pay, after buy, after pay, excuse me, after buy is another one, etc. At least one of these will merge or exit the U.S. or be in PL altogether. Yeah, and I failed. The, the those companies for the most part continue to gain traction. I want to say. Sezzle had had some valuation problems, although it started to recover in, in Q4 this year, but they're all viable independent entities still going. So that is a miss. Okay, cool. So we're now tied one and one, one right, one wrong out of the first two. So batting 50, which is pretty good for a batting average. It's above my, uh, my career <laughs> average, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Yeah. We, we, I have, I will self-admit we've done a terrible job of track tracking this over the years because yeah, it's really fun and it's just trying to it's a good exercise and I recommend you do it too, listeners, because it makes you think in a little bit longer term way. And when you make a prediction and you don't have to put yours out there, but when you put it out there, it makes you think a little bit a little bit deeper about it. Your third prediction, prediction number three, was in 2023, Shopify will launch an ad product such as a retail media network. You're you're banging the RMN drum back then. Oh, How'd for sure. So this is a complicated one. I feel like I kind of got it right, but full disclosure, not in the way I expected. So when I, I wrote that, I really thought, gosh, Shopify's got, you know, all these independent stores that are probably too small to have retail media networks that, you know, one of the interesting products Shopify could launch is a sort of a confederate network where, you know, all these individual sellers opt into a a shared advertising product that that Shopify could administer and help all these sites to monetize their traffic. And that did not happen. I But what I wrote was launch an ad product such as a retail media network. And last year, Shopify did launch, they already had a product called Shopify Audiences, which is by data on anonymous data on people that use ShopPay to help target ads. And last year, they... They added automated integrations with Snap, Critio, which Critio is a, a multi-platform advertising platform, and TikTok. So as a, a Shopify seller, you could now say, hey, I want to go buy an ad using Shopify customer data to, to define your market and have it automatically placed on all these different digital media platforms. So I don't know. I feel like I kind of lucked into it because it, it didn't happen the way I thought, but it kind of did happen. 
Yeah. Okay. We will give you, so at this point, we're on number three, and you've got two right, one wrong. Heading into the fourth prediction, and this one was in 2023, Meta, Google, TikTok are going to lose ad share to new social media platforms and retail media networks. How'd you do on that one? The real answer is I don't know. So it, uh, <laughs> I expected it to be much more prominent, and the the tail of the tape is kind of mixed. Uh, using eMarketer data, Google lost share across all their properties. So they went from 28% to 26%. Meta was kind of flat at 20%. They lost share in Facebook, but gained a little share in Instagram. And then TikTok actually grew a little share. So from 2% to 2.4%. And then the retail media networks obviously did gain share, but they're smaller. So Amazon went from like 11 to 13%. Walmart went from like less than 1% to 1 and 1.2%. So uh, it kind of happened, but it, it happened like to a 10th of a percent instead of what I, I sort of felt would happen, which was multiple percentages. So I'm going to not give myself credit for that one. Okay. That's very generous of you. We, uh, this is the trick of writing these in hindsight. You're always, you wish you'd put a, like a clear number there. So you'd be easier to score hundred, hundred percent. They're kind of in, in being squishy. All right. So here on number four, you're at, you're back to 50, 50. So two right and two wrong. And then one quick clarification was this share of digital ads, like not all ads, right? Like not correct TV yeah. and stuff in the, in the, yeah. okay, the, the dom denominator. All right. Number five prediction for Jason retail geek. For 2023, live streaming commerce still not meaningful in the U.S. It will be less than 5% of social commerce in the United States of America. How'd you do on that one? Also, the real answer is don't know because it turns out there's no good data source for truly measuring live streaming commerce. The estimates, which are based on these kind of thousand person surveys, are that that all video commerce in the U.S. is like 32 billion to 50 billion. And so how much of that like really happened live? Even if all of that was live, it's still not 5% of, of total e-commerce. But like what percentage of e-commerce is social commerce? I just, if, I ended up feeling like I wrote a, a bad squishy forecast. But there is part of me that wants to say, hey, the spirit of this was, People aren't going to be shopping for products live on video, and it's not going to be very meaningful. And I, I think that that is absolutely the case, that it's not meaningful. Yeah, one thing that's interesting about kind of like thinking back on 2023 with streaming, there's a couple of things. I'm kind of just pontificating here. I don't I don't have an – I'm not scoring you. Yeah, um, yeah I, I kind of want to use this opportunity to pick your brain. So – you know, we have TikTok shops. I'm going to guess you don't think that's live streaming, right? Because it's like a recorded video and you're selling an ad next to it. Is that exactly? Or, and when know, you say yeah. I don't think it's live streaming, it's because it's it's not. Live it's not. <laughs> you're not putting it in your definition of live streaming. Yeah, uh, unless live means like something different related, to you. <laughs> but it's like a static static streaming revenue or something. I don't know. What yeah, yeah. I think uh, there is video commerce, right? And even yeah. video commerce is not a very big thing. But but most of TikTok shops. And YouTube native checkout and these these other experiences are are what we would call video commerce. And there are now a couple of vendors that have decent size revenue helping enable video commerce. So I think of someone like a fireworks, for example, that that adds adds video commerce to a lot of e-commerce sites and ad yeah. platforms. And then how about so there was a really interesting experiment 
And I don't think we talked about it because we were deep into the holiday data stream. But, you know, Amazon had Thursday night prime video football. And then uh, on Thanksgiving, the Friday after Thanksgiving, they bumped the game and did it on Friday. And part of that was if you watched the thing that's fascinating about the Amazon live stream is there's like three or four sub streams in there. And, and one of them had basically QR codes and you could buy right from the, the ad. Yeah. Is that live streaming or it was like an ad next to a football live stream in your, your view? Yeah. So I do think that would meet the definition of live streaming because most people watch that game live. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, they didn't disclose any data on how those, those were done. Like I could tell you in talking to several people that bought those ads, like there, there was not meaningful engagement with the QR codes. And so, it, yeah, I, you know, I think there's still lots of experiments. I think there's use cases where native checkout in video makes a lot of sense. There's even a few use cases where live video make makes sense, but they're edge cases. They're not. It's not the the main thing. And the and again, there's a big difference between China and the U.S. There is a ton of content that that is streamed only live and allows you to buy stuff in China, but it's it's mostly deals stuff. It's kind of like the next generation of guilt.com, if you will. And it's mostly like very scarce items. So it's, it's, you know, farmers in tier three cities in China selling their, their produce for the week. And when they're out, they're out. And so they don't store the video and have people watch it later in order because they sell all their apples during the live stream. And that's a, a meaningful way people sell stuff in China. It's just, it's just not. I mean, like the vast majority of video can be time shifted in the U.S. and then it's not live streaming. And, you know, we still, for the most part, don't have people buying a lot of stuff, even, you know, through through video that's not live. So I feel like because of the success in China, it gets a little overhyped in the U.S. And I, I, I feel like it hasn't lived up to the hype. A year ago, cool. though, I would argue there were a bunch of vendors telling us that this is the next thing and we're all going to be out of business if we don't jump on the bandwagon. And I can assure you, if you did not jump on that bandwagon, you you potentially are still in business. Got it. I know how Amazon's going to solve this. So hear me out. This is yeah. this is an unofficial prediction. And I know Andy Jassy listens to this show. So Andy, here's how to solve this. I'm going to share my entrepreneurial insights. Number one, you have to keep Travis and Taylor together. Number two, you've got to get the Kansas City game next Friday after 2024 is Thanksgiving. And then you have to sell exclusive Taylor merchandise on that game. So that's the that's how you're going to get the engagement you want. you got to tap into the Swifties. Yeah, you heard it here I feel first, like folks. the Swiftie economy is a, a way to solve any any business problem. I'll, I'll totally agree with that. I will throw out Amazon, you know, did lean into live streaming and they had a product called Talk Shop Live. And, you know, by all accounts, it wasn't very successful. The people, they they bribed influencers with extra bonuses to produce content. And as soon as they stopped offering those bonuses, all those influencers moved off the platform. And now it there's a, a version of it that still exists. But once again, it's not live. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So what does that now, give me? Three out of three, yep. uh, three out of five. Yeah. So you, so three, correct. Two wrong. Yeah. So that's good. You, you have a winning average. That's pretty similar to my college career. career. Yeah. There you like. go. Yeah. Gentlemen's uh, D minus. Yeah. <laughs> so now let's, let's get to Mr. Sparty Pants, who I, I, I suspect and fear did much better than me. 
So Scott, you'll remember your first prediction. It'll come as a shock to no one involves Amazon, right? Amazon uses this 2022 setback slash slowdown slash reversion to the mean for a public resetting of expectations. But behind the scenes, they take share and raise the bar on shipping. Yeah, I uh, the shipping part was surprisingly clairvoyant there because, you know, what they did in 2023 is one of the things Jassy dug into this and they did these, what do they call it? Nodes? Regional. Yeah, these regional nodes, and they they started zoning out at a tight level. They were moving too much product too far unnecessarily, and they they really tightened that up, and it allowed them to cut costs pretty dramatically on shipping and get a lot of leverage that that everyone was surprised about. But also, and, and this is nice, they similarly you know have really cranked up the delivery speed and delighted customers. So so you know very rarely in a business do you find something that that both saves money and delight. Usually you're having to make a choice. You're like, well, I could save money, but customers are going to hate this. This was what very aligned with their, you know, their corporate goals of being like wildly efficient and automated, but at the same time getting products to customers faster. So I think they had a pretty good year. So they've, you know, everyone was in the doldrums about Amazon. Everyone was like, oh, this Jassy guy is, is really messing things up. And I think he went kind of back to basics and said, let's, let's, squeeze some nickels and dimes out of this shipping thing and get it a little faster and and the customers have reacted to it. So I would score that one correct. Yeah, 100%. I feel like he Tim cooked it and it was a good call on your part. Yeah, absolutely. So your second prediction, and I'd like to harp on this one a while if possible, <laughs> um, is that Shopify would get acquired. Did okay, Remind yeah. me, did that happen? <laughs> it did not, but you have to put this in context. Shopify dropped, what was it like from 60 billion to 10 or like, you know, they had a precipitous fall and they had a lot of missteps. So they, you know, when this happened, you and I, I think jointly predicted that them getting into fulfillment was not only a bad idea, but a terrible idea. So this is the year they had to unwind all that, which I thought it would be I didn't think they would do that, but kudos to them. You know, so I, I, I a hundred percent give them, this is very hard, you know, to make a mistake and fix it out in the public world. It, it is a you know very humbling thing and, but they sure did. So they, they got rid of the shipping part. They turned that into a little bit of lemonade where they ended up having a good partnership with the company that acquired Flexport, I believe it is. And, and then they have made a series of moves that that have you know rebounded not all the way back to where they were, but they have done very well, and they are not going to be acquired or they're not in any kind of existential problems. I do still think there's a world where meta there's a I think the natural acquire for them is meta, and at some point those companies kind of have to go together. I I also my if I recall my thesis on this, it was around the first party, the third party data going away. And, and, you know, I felt like they'd have to glom on to a first party network. I still, I still think that's true. I think they can survive independently, but I think to unlock a lot of value, they need to be married into a first party entity more tightly. So, yeah. Yeah. And of course the stock has rebounded a bit, so it's, it's, it's a bigger swing now. Yeah. I don't, you know, 
I, you will spoil alert. I did not repeat this, <laughs> this uh, prediction. <laughs> I was going to uh, say, you technically only missed that prediction by one word. Had you, had you written Shopify <laughs> with fulfillment is acquired, you, you kind of would have been right. Yeah. Longtime listeners will know I have a long history of repeating predictions and then it never works out for me. So I've learned my lesson the hard way. My, my big one was like for what if we, we've been doing this for like eight times, I guess, or maybe this is the ninth. And, you know, literally for like five years, I predicted Amazon would compete with Am with FedEx and I gave up. And then like two years later, they announced they're going to compete. With I was going to say, as so soon as like, you stop repeating it, that's when you know it's going to happen. Yeah. So maybe I am predicting shop. There you go. Ooh. Ooh. Head explode emoji. Yeah. So one out of two. So then let's move on to number three. An innovation in e-commerce powered by AI, such as uh, GPT-4, surprises us by how fast it's adopted and how cool it is. Yeah, I would say there's no one innovation that you can kind of say, wow, everyone added X to their site and it was amazing. But I would say it's pretty amazing how many retailers are using and getting a lot of value out of AGI. So, you know, the one you read a lot about is the helping of writing product description pages and tightening those up. A lot of people are using it for customer service and and really improving that. A lot of people are using it for, you know, one of the things that's a total pain in the e-commerce world is you many times you want to take a product image and it's, you know, it's in a scene and you want to isolate it and then you want to spin spin it around and do a video and inject that thing in another templated video. That was always very hard. And you would send these images to, you know, a, you know, another country where someone would, you know, for $5 an hour, sit there and meticulously isolate the, the item out of the background and pixel by pixel do that. Now they have, you know, pretty awesome AI systems for doing all those things. And, and, you know, retailers are using those pretty heavily. So I would say it's a little hard to score this one. I'll, I'll defer to you. I feel like I've been surprised by how much of it was useful. I think a lot of people were kind of saying this is going to be another blockchain, another live stream, another social chat commerce kind of a thing. AI is going to be a flash in the pan. And I would say you know companies are really using this. It's real. It's impacting the customer experience and improving retailers' margins because they can be wildly more efficient. Yeah, no. So I'm, I'm for sure giving it to you. I feel like part of the, the art here is you have to go back in time to last January and put yourself in the context that this was made. And I think there's a lot of things that are being routinely done today and are pretty darn cool that we would not have believed happened last January. And, and I think all that, that text on product detail pages one, the images is for sure one. There used to be whole, whole sections of, of these trade shows dedicated to companies that were doing image manipulation and image masking and all that stuff. And they're, they're all gone because the, the AI is so good. And I would also say they're now like, it's starting to be pretty meaningful in search. Like Instacart has had generative AI search engine for a while. Walmart just launched generative AI in their search engine. So I, you know, there, there is a lot of flavors of AI that are overhyped and it, you know, it, it is like, I mean, there are a lot of AI snow jobs out there, but also there's a lot of legitimate stuff. And so I, I think I definitely have to give you that one. So I think you're two and two out of three at the moment. Awesome. And so What's then we next? move on to number four. E-commerce accelerates back to the mean in the second half after a mean regression in the first half. E-commerce returns to 10 to 15% growth rates. Yeah, I will... 
the bulk of my e-commerce data comes from Amazon and and I would say Amazon kind of checked this box, but you, the ultimate consumer and digester and re-cool charter of all the data, you know, do you agree that I got this one? I do, especially because you were prescient enough to list the ra- the growth rate as a range from 10 to 15. Um, yeah. So I, I'd say there there was this weird regression where, you know, there was even a, a stage where retail was growing faster than e-commerce. Mm-hmm. Um, and for sure, by the second half of last year, we were back to sort of normal trends with retail growing at three to 4% and kind of pre-pandemic e-commerce might've been growing at like 14 or 15%. And it, it returned to sort of 10% growth. So I think you, I think you definitely hit the spirit of this, that we're kind of back to normal. And I, I think you also hit the, the, the technical letter of your prediction, because I think we we surpassed ten percent growth for e-commerce. Cool. We're, so that puts us so at, that you at three, uh, right three for four, which basically means you have to miss this last one for us to tie. Um, right. And I I think I'm in trouble because your last one was Sephora and or Ulta moved to a subscription model for new product discovery. Yeah, I. You know, I have to tip my hat to my daughter, who previously mentioned is now 17 and was 16. Thanks to her, I spend an enormous amount of time and money in both Sephora and Ulta. So this one was inspired by her. And yeah, I I do have to admit before the show, I didn't know how I did on this one. But I was looking and I see Sephora has this thing called play exclamation mark. And it's the beauty inside community, community announcing our new Monthly beauty subscription box. Play on players. I don't know if you subscribe to that, Jason, but it sounds like your kind of thing. You sound. Oh like yeah, a I was. I was a, a pilot user. You can't get this kind of camera ready look for the podcast without being totally, <laughs> totally plugged into all those products. Yeah. No, I think I think you definitely get this one. If I was smarter, I should have objected at the time because there's a debatable way in which this was already happening back then, but. They had subscribe and save, but that doesn't count. That's like auto. That's like yeah, auto. with some sampling and stuff in it. So, but I think it's much more customer facing and prominent now. So I, I'm giving it to you. So I'm giving you four out of five, which any year would be good performance. And in this particular year, it's both good performance and enough to declare you the winner. Ding 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 ding! We have a winner. And I will be sending the claret jug uh, to, to your home to live for the next year. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, everybody. I would like to, I am a little salty to the folks at Shopify. Toby, if you're listening, if you had only said yes to whatever acquisition came your way, I would have been 100%. So thanks, dude. Thanks for everything. <laughs> so now for the three listeners that have hung out for our 15 minute of pre-ramble and our, and our 20 minutes of scoring, you finally get to the meat. What the heck is going to happen in the world of e-commerce in the next year, Nostradamus? Yeah, let's, um, let's continue. I just went. So why don't you give us the Jason Retail Geek Goldberg 2024 predictions for retail. Go. Yeah. Uh, so last year, retail media networks were super hot. I think this year is going to be the year that the, the big retail media networks really start focusing on their in-store audiences. So I'm, I'm calling it retail media networks go in store. And I'm predicting that at least one top 20 retailer 
will launch a digital in-store ad network. So some kind of screens or interactive displays in a store that you can buy ads on through the, the retail media network. So I'm in Sephora or whatever retailer. There's a cool screen telling me about this exciting new Kardashian lip color. And I go and interact with it. And suddenly an ad comes up for something else. Exactly. <laughs> okay. Got uh, it. Switching you to the Taylor Swift cosmetics from the Kim Kardashian ones. Whoa. Swifties make another appearance in the predictions. All right. Exactly. My my second one, I I... I know what the spirit is. I struggled to get, make it specific enough that we can measure it, but I tried. So we've been talking a lot about AI. You had an AI prediction last year. I think, well, a lot of these trends kind of get really buzzy and then die down. I, I think AI is the real deal. I think despite all the hype, AI is going to be even hotter in December of 2024 than it is right now. And so the the way I'm going to try to quantify that is – I think by the by December of 2024, it will be more common than not that if there's a text box in an e-commerce experience, it's going to be powered by a generative AI. So we're going to start typing sentences into all of these search engines instead of keywords. I think it is going to take consumers a little while to learn to do that after it's possible, but I think that'll be really common. And then I think at least one retailer is going to have an AI-based auto-replenishment solution that has significant adoption. And I need to clarify that because one retailer, Walmart, announced it at CES yesterday. So like, I'm, I, I don't think it exists yet, but they've announced that they're going to do it. And my prediction is not that they're going to try it. My prediction is that it will work or someone else will do one that works and it it very different than like a subscription-based thing where you you automatically get a fixed amount of something. This is going to be, you know, handing the keys to the computer and letting the computer decide how much peanut butter you're going through and making sure that I send you new peanut butter whenever you need it. Hmm. Cool. So that's um. number two. Number three, I really think this is going to be a bifurcated year in terms of retail prospects. I think we're going to have a handful of retailers that are really going to do well, that are poised for some growth rebounds from the last couple of years. Yeah, I kind of think Amazon and Walmart are both going to be in that bucket. I think we're going to disagree about this, but I think some of the Chinese companies like Timu and Shein might be in that bucket. And I think there's going to be some other traditional retailers that really struggle. And so you're either going to do well or do poorly. I don't think there's going to be very many retailers kind of trading water in the middle of the road. And as a result, I think we're going to have a couple more significant bankruptcies in 2024. So the Grim Reaper is added again. I'm once again predicting that at least two, two well-known retailers will close their doors. And this year, I'll be slightly more specific. At least one of them is going to be a specialty retailer, so in a category. And another is going to be a general merchant or a department store. So I uh, hope to be wrong on that one. But it is what it is. That's prediction number three. How about a little size? Is this going to be like a two-unit kind of a thing? or No, no, no. These, uh, yeah. Like these <laughs> have to be, be a little like more two, two top 50 retailers. Like, Ooh, okay. Oh, let's write that in because I won't remember that next time. Okay. I will add it and then delete it in about six months when you've forgotten. No, nope. um, remember. Yeah. So number four, and this is where I think it's going to start getting fun. I actually think that we're going to see more Chinese companies focusing on Western consumers. So I actually think that for a variety of reasons, the 
the Chinese economy is not as hot as it, it once was. And I think it's going to take a little while to recover. So I think there's going to be more entrepreneurs in China trying to export their solutions to other parts of the world. And, you know, Timu and Xi'an are certainly the two most noted examples of companies that don't, don't sell in China, but do sell in the U.S. I think Xi'an is going to successfully execute a Western IPO next year. And I think Timu is going to continue to grow. And very specifically, I think by 20, by the end of 2024, Timu is going to have at least 75% of the e-commerce revenue that we see from a very well-established U.S. retailer like Target for e-commerce. Okay. Now, are you implying it comes out of Target's hide or that just like that? We're uh, I do think it's partially is going to come out of Target's hide, but I'm not specifically saying that. I feel like um, Target could come down a little bit and it, that would help me make this. But I, I actually think e-commerce will not be the sore spot at Target next year. Got it. So that's number four. I'm bullish on the Chinese companies coming to America. And my my fifth one is going to go to grocery e-commerce. So, you know, grocery e-commerce grew a lot during the pandemic. But fun fact, grocery e-commerce actually shrunk a little bit in 2023 relative to the, the big growth they had in 2022, like partly because groceries got more expensive. People, it was safer to go back to grocery stores. And so people kind of regressed a little bit in their e-commerce shopping. So the best source we have for e-commerce data for grocery is Bricks Meet Clicks, which is a big, it's a survey, but it's a big survey. So the, the Bricks Meet Clicks folks said that e-commerce, grocery e-commerce shrunk by about 2%. And I'm saying they're going to grow by like 25% in 2024. So very meaningful acceleration and growth. Cool. So those are my five. Some years we did bonuses. I, I'm just going to throw out some other things that I guarantee you are going to happen, but I don't want to bother making them predictions because they're too hard to measure. But as I did this year, again, I'm going to say live streaming is not a major thing next year either. And I'll throw the metaverse and crypto in there as well. If you're an innovative startup that's going to solve retail with live streaming, the metaverse and crypto, please don't send me an email. Uh, but it's on blockchain. Yeah, exactly. If you're doing anything on blockchain, the first thing I need to know is why I can't just do it with a database and why I need a distributed ledger. So if you can't answer that question, don't call me. I know um, because blockchain. Yeah. I, I think another one that really annoys me, I couldn't figure out how to measure this, so I didn't make it a forecast, but I think you're going to hear a lot less retail CEOs blaming their poor performance on retail crime next year. If you don't know or haven't been following it, it, that's mostly a scam. Shrink in retail is down. There is this new kind of crime called organized retail crime, which is awful when people get hurt and people should stop doing it. But it's not economically meaningful and it's not the reason that any of these these retailers miss their guidance. And I, I think we're going to see uh, CEOs uh, stop leaning on it as much because the the uh, it's becoming obvious that it's a false excuse. And lastly, I, I, I was bullish on some of the big retail media networks in my predictions. I said one would go in store, but a corollary to that, there's a lot of really small retailers that are seeing the success of the big retailers and trying to launch retail media networks. And yeah, that's not going to work. So if you're, you know, a relatively unsuccessful e-commerce special, uh, specialty retailer with small e-commerce or you're, you're a regional retailer, you're just not going to have enough traffic and a big enough audience to make it work. So I think. You know, I'm starting to see some retailers that are probably on the wrong side of the scale equation trying retail media networks, and I'm mostly not optimistic for them. So 
So you heard it here first. So it's a world where they um, patch together in like a little alliance and like a Battlestar Galactica kind of thing and get some some heft. There is. is there a, absolutely okay. is. And the the most notable place that's happening is in Europe. And kind of interestingly, yeah. the biggest retailer in Europe, Carrefour, like sort of embrace that. Like Carrefour is the Battlestar Galactica in this this like, you know, convoy of ragtag, this fleet of ragtag ships. And so, so you're exactly right. And I heard the giant French advertising company that is helping them do it is, is decent too. Yeah. Soccer blue. One clarification on your grocery e-commerce thing, you know, that's a big number. That's like 30% off a big base, 25%. The, are you counting like curb pickup on that? Yeah. So I'm, I'm specifically using the bricks meat clicks metric, which does include three categories of grocery. It's curbside pickup, which is over 50% of grocery in, in most U.S. cities. It's home delivery of, of groceries, and it, it is actually shipping of some some grocery items, but that's a relatively small one. Yeah, so Instacart would be kind of captured in there as well. They would, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Side yeah. note, I actually, I think I'm not as optim- as bullish on Instacart as I think you're going to be, but they, they will certainly be part of it that helps me make this uh, this prediction. Cool. And we should have said this uh, before we got into the predictions, but what we do is we do these independently and then we splat them into our shared show notes that we have here that, that Jason and I use. As yeah. We, so it would, would have been possible so for we, us to have the same predictions, but we yeah, did not. We, uh, we never see each other's beforehand. So that's a uh, part of the fun. So there's no, 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 no planning or, or, you know, kind of swapping and prediction. No cross contamination. Exactly. But because we're, we don't have any revenue, we don't have Pricewaterhouse verifying that. You're just going to have to trust us. <laughs> okay. Um, what do you have, thanks. Scott? Well, I, I want to point out that I see you snuck in three bonuses. So you took, so yet again, you're hogging the stage, but that's okay. You're first in the, in the title there. So and I, I have many more words five. in my title in case you didn't notice. <laughs> Being a rule follower, I have five predictions, not eight. And my first one is Amazon's going to relaunch Alexa on a native LLM. So yeah, uh, Alexa and the whole Siri and what's the Xboxy one? Katana, you know, Cortana. They yep. they you know, once you interact with the chat GPT voice, which is a little slow. But it's a little slower than those, but the responses are so much better. You really want to just throw your Alexa in the garbage can. So, you know, this is tricky because Amazon doesn't have an LLM. They, they're, the things they've done on AWS are kind of like geared towards being neutral, and I think they, they're not going to stay neutral. So they, they have to de-neutral, and then they have to, you know, rewrite Alexa on that. Maybe it's tricky because, you know, what do you do? Do you call it, like new Alexa or do you change our name or you've got some brand equity built there. So it's going to be interesting to see how they navigate that. And then number two is I don't understand how Timu isn't just wish dot, you know, (laughs) 2.0. So in the early days of wish, everyone got all excited and they're like, Oh my God, this is amazing. I can buy all this cheap stuff and it comes and it's amazing. And it's like a dollar drone and it's awesome. And then it showed up six months later and, and then it broke in five minutes. So, so I, I think there's a lot of buzz around these things. I think a lot of this stuff gets supported by China and, and free shipping and these kinds of things that the Chinese government does to help give their, you know, Chinese born companies a, an edge. 
And none of that is infinite, right? So we saw that with Alibaba and Alipay. That whole thing kind of uh, has had a whole situation in China where it got too big and they didn't like the success there. And Jack Ma, Lord knows what's happened to him. I think these, I think Timu is kind of, you know, there, there's going to be some kind of an episode like that. And this was my, I, I kind of use the word falters. So that kind of thing. I, I don't think they're going to do an IPO. That would really shock me. Yeah, um, I think we're going to, I mean. I, yeah, so we're misaligned on that one, which makes it fun. Either, right? so yeah, that's either could happen. A, uh, there are smart people yeah. that think that think on both sides of that one, but that's a fun one. And we'll agree to disagree. But both can't happen. So this is a zero-sum game one for sure. Exactly. And then repeal, you know, this one I guess we're aligned on, but I, I kind of got more specific because you always do super generic ones that make it easier to to get them. <laughs> <laughs> Retail media networks are currently, and I found a there's a research firm called CoreSight. So like you, I wanted to kind of pick a, a measurement stick here. And they say the whole world, that, that whole thing in 2023 did 52 billion and it's growing 20%. So that's their data. And I said, my prediction thus is it's going to accelerate this year to 30% growth. And that brings it to about 67 billion. So, you know, clever listeners that listen to our Amazon recaps, you'll know, you'll notice that, well, okay, if that's at 52 billion, Amazon ads are at like, what are they like 49, 45 billion? So, but that's a run rate. So so for that Amazon number, you take the the quarter and the last one we talked about was Q3. Q4 will be coming out soon. So we took the Q3, Q3 number, multiply it by four, and that's how you get the 45-ish. So so really doing 15 a quarter, but the prior quarter was like like 10-ish and the prior quarter of that was like eight-ish. So, so Amazon didn't do 45 in a year. They probably did more like 35 to 30 in the year, but the trajectory is such that when you do the run rate, it comes out to be a big number. So, so they are a large part of that 52 billion, but they're not in like 90% of it. They're, you know, 65% of it or so. So there's that one. Okay. Number four, and this one we're kind of aligned on surprisingly, even though the specifics you disagree with here, I, I've been watching the Instacart. That was an important IPO because a lot of people thought it was going to open the IPO window and then, you know, Wah, wah, it did not. So that that company IPO'd at $33. We did a deep dive on that, and that was a lot of fun. And now it is down to 23, kind of low 20s, and it's kind of hovered there since the IPO. I think they're going to really be able to solve their – they have a real rudimentary ad system. I think they're going to really be able to turn the crank on that, and that's going to make money rain out of the sky for them. And Wall Street's going to wake up and say – this is pretty interesting, and then the stock's going to respond and pop to you know over forty dollars. So I wanted to do something that felt like a bit of a double from here, and certainly above the IPO price. So so I think I think they're going to decode that in twenty four. Now you you kind of put it into your bricks bricks and clicks thingy. It's kind of in that bucket, but yeah, I was yeah. talking about I, stock price. I, I actually, about yeah, I mean they're somewhat independent. Both could happen or both could not happen. If, like I, I personally am going to take the under on Instacart. I actually think grocery e-commerce is going to grow, but it's predominantly going to be the the native providers of the goods. Like Instacart doesn't have yeah. any groceries; they're an intermediary, and there's pros and cons to that model. But I, I I I think they're going to grow less than some of these other guys. So we'll we'll see what that does to their stock. Like you kind of made it a stock prediction, so obviously that that comes with its own dynamics. Yeah, and they're. 
there is a world where this one horribly falls apart, like my Shopify prediction, where you know they Instacart relies on this network of grocery stores kind of staying in the network, and a big one like a Kroger, which also owns a bunch of sub brands like Harris Teeter and whatnot. If a big one leaves, then the whole thing could kind of crumble, and I, this could be the worst prediction I ever made. So who knows? That's part of the fun. Uh, if it does, you get to mock me endlessly for at least a year. And then this last one is I kind of came back to the 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 Timu Shein uh, well, and I said, well, everyone thinks uh, – I actually had a typo there, so let me fix that. While everyone thinks Shein and Timu are going to take share from Amazon – yeah, you know, this is every article is that I read is Wall Street's you know fighting a wall of worry about these these you know Eastern intruders and all this kind of jazz. These Chinese upstarts. I think that's wrong. I think Amazon's fine, and you know Shein is really largely focused on apparel. So that was really the kind of one that got me here. I think Shein is actually taking share from the fast fashion. I think Amazon has a fair amount of this type of product and will do fine with the underlying trend. They're they're actually riding it themselves. And I think the ones that are getting hurt are the non-fast fashion, the slow, the glacierly slow fashion. So this is going to be your Nordstrom's on the high end, your Macy's, your your Kohl's, your Target, the apparel part of Target, I think those are going to really suffer. And as as these Chinese upstarts really start scaling, that's who's going to get hurt. And I I put tried to put a number in there, and I said they're going to there's going to be material share, and I call it ten percent. Okay, so so just clarifying, are you saying like Nordstrom, Macy's, and Target e-commerce go? Down by ten percent because she and yeah, it's go really up the or? apparel. So I, I okay. think it, it it's probably gonna be hard to measure Target because I don't think they break it out, do they? Not I don't think they break out e-commerce apparel. They yeah. they do break out total apparel, but yeah, yeah. So I'm gonna say Nordstrom and Macy's just as companies. Okay. I think it's gonna hurt both offline and online. It's gonna like chew away at the apparel space and the traditional apparel space harder than it, you know those those have already been under a fair amount of stress and it, it's gonna be more yeah. stress. No, I kind of agree with the spirit of this one. Again, I think it's hard to measure, but I, I, I would tend to concur. Like Amazon would like to be in the fast fashion and apparel space, but they really haven't won it yet. So you can't take something from someone that they don't already have. Um, yeah. And, you know, Timu is a little different animal than Shein at the moment. Like, and I'm sure there's there, Amazon is losing some share to Timu, but. I have a feeling like Amazon grows so much that you're that's not going to be measurable in any way. So yeah, those are fun. I it's going to be interesting to see if you can hold on to the trophy. Obviously, like twenty minutes after we made our predictions, I, I suspect we're both feeling feeling okay about them. But it's going to be fun to watch the year play out and see what we got right and what we missed. Yeah, yeah. This was an extra long one because we had a lot to cover. We appreciate you sticking with us to the end. And until next time, happy commercing. You've been listening to the Jason and Scott show for all the latest news and trends on e-commerce and shopper marketing. Subscribe to us on iTunes or visit www.jasonandscott.com. 